Do you have aspirations to be a leader in your business or organization? Welcome to Leadership Stars with your host, Linda Patton. Each week, we feature true leaders recognized in their fields who provide insight and ideas in creating a strong team and how you can become an effective leader. Now, here is Linda Patton. Welcome to today's episode of Leadership Stars. I have a question for you. So can you pivot from a good leader to a transformational leader? Well, my guest today is one powerhouse international speaker, author, entrepreneur, and truly transformational leader himself. And he believes that you can. So if you want to know how to embody your leadership speaking voice, guide and grow your team, find the power in speaking from your heart and from experience and more, then my amazing guest, Adam Markell, is here to give the answers to you, my audience. Adam, welcome. Oh, my goodness. Linda, thank you so much for having me. And I love that introduction. That was really beautiful. I've had the privilege of being interviewed a number of times and interviewed in uh over the years, and, and that was just lovely the way you put that together. So thank you for that warm welcome. Oh, you're, you're so very welcome, and I'm so glad to have you here. Um, it, it's really an honor to have you on my program, and I really do appreciate that. But Adam, if you would, wouldn't would mind starting by telling the audience, like sort of what's your background? Um, what's your journey that got you to where you are today? Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's a big that's a big question. All right, no problem. We can handle this. Of course and, you and, can. And, and the art will be to do it quickly, you know, mm-hmm. and and leave time for many many other things. So, real quick story: I am a recovering attorney, and I, when I say that, people always kind of smirk or laugh or you know whatever. And I, often I'll say that, and there'll be attorneys in the room. They go, "Oh, I want to be a recovering attorney too," you know. Um, yeah. Nothing, nothing against the law, but I I practiced in the in that space for about 18 years, did you know, have my own, my own law firm in New York and New Jersey. It was a very successful firm financially, but it was causing me a great deal of distress. Uh, I was stressed out. I was a workaholic and, you know, the typical sort of 60 to 80 hour a week um, business model. And, but more importantly to me is that I was feeling depressed about it. I was uh, waking up in the morning and feeling this this sense of dread. I put my feet on the floor, and I, I've said this, uh, you know, asked this question to people in the past. Say, How many of you ever put your feet on the floor and feel like you want to just lift them back up and get, you know, <laughs> crawl back up in bed? And we all know what that feels like. But doing that day after day, month and, and year after year gets gets to you after a while. Mm-hmm. And and I realized that my my start of the day was very much indicative of, of something bigger. There was a bigger issue playing out in my life. And I was spending much, much of my day doing things that I didn't love, I wasn't enthusiastic about. Um, and it was, it was hurting me. It was hurting me on the inside. Outside, physically, I think it was, was doing some damage to me as well. But, but inside, I, I felt as though my heart was sort of shrinking. My soul was, was shriveling up. And it was, it was just eroding my quality of life. And I would wake up that way and start the day and go about my routine. And, and I did that for, for so long without questioning. And then when I began to question, I started to really 
uh, explore that there were possibilities for me. There was another path I could take. And I'll be really blunt about this. I didn't, I didn't come to that conclusion right away. It took me having what I thought was a heart attack, ending up in the emergency room and finding out it was not a heart attack at all. It was an anxiety attack to get me kind of woken up to the idea that maybe this wasn't the profession I was going to be in for the rest of my life. And that's, that, was, that was the first sort of awareness that maybe I didn't have to do this forever. And sure enough, I started to make some changes, small changes at first, really, I would say, baby step changes, micro uh, steps. And over time, it magnified. I started to find myself with new opportunities and new options. And my life really did begin to transform. You use that word in, in describing mm-hmm. leadership. And I think transformational leadership is really what the world is about today. And more and more to be an innovator, to be somebody that is able to lead a team and lead a company in the direction of sustainable success, not just temporary or short-term uh, success, but sustainable long-term success. It requires transformation. It requires the ability to pivot on a regular basis. It requires the ability to see that we are constantly either evolving or dying. We're either pivoting or dying. We're either growing or we're dying. Um, and so, yeah, I, I started to teach these things. When I began to see results for myself and new options, I began to teach around uh, my community and ultimately was invited to, to train and teach these principles in business and in personal development all around the world, in, in China, in Japan, in Vietnam, in Taiwan, in Australia, all over the United States and Canada to many thousands of people. I wrote a book ultimately on the topic. It started out as a book I was writing for our kids. My, my wife and I, we're, this summer we'll be married 29 years and we have four healthy kids and most important thing as a parent we know is that your kids are healthy. And, and I started writing this book because I wanted our kids to be healthy mentally, emotionally, physically, even spiritually. And I was going through such a hard time. And, and as I began to come out of that, that mediocrity, when I, when I began to see the new options that were available in my life, and I wasn't just settling for the status quo any longer, I started to write about it. And then ultimately, our oldest daughter said, Dad, this is a wonderful book. It's, it's going to be great for us. Uh, when it's done, it'll be a great guidebook for, for the families. She said, but this is really a book about so much more, and it's for so many more people. And so we did. We, we, I took her advice. I found a publisher and an agent, and Simon and & Schuster bought the book, and it became a very big bestseller all over the world, and which has enabled me to even speak and train more people over the last several years. And that's what leads me here today. So I, I've had a great deal of, of success. And yet at the same time, it wasn't so long ago that I used to wake up in the morning, feel that, that anxiety and that dread. And I was miserable and I was unhappy and <laughs> I was unfulfilled. And I'll tell you, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much, quote, success or what other people think is success in your life. Success without fulfillment feels like failure, and I felt like a failure. So that was not so long ago, and and here I am today able to teach and train and share this message with people all around the world, which is completely wonderful. Oh, Adam, that's that's a miraculous story, and I know I've heard it before, but it it still moves me um, greatly because my husband isn't recovering. He's still a very active attorney, and I, I know whereof you speak as far as the number of hours that they put in, the dedication and all that um, to their clients especially, that it does take a toll on you, and 
you know, shifting into something different, I think is, is very necessary. And you were in that, that, uh, what I, what I call, um, sort of the maelstrom in New York and New Jersey, the law practices in that area are just awful <laughs> as far as having a life. Um, what, you know, the, what you're, are you supposed to have a life? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we're paying you, you're getting paid so much money. You're, you're trading on some level. And I don't want to over, you know, sort of overstate this. I'll just say that the Harris polls right now are pretty, pretty poignant because 55% of people in a job, be it a you know, you're a lawyer getting paid a, a salary or any other job. 55% of people in a job are actively looking for, for new work, which I think says a lot. I mean, it's almost mirroring the divorce rate. And, mm-hmm. and these are two shocking statistics about happiness and about contentment and fulfillment in our world right now. Yeah, that, that, that's to me, that's extremely sad that um, we, we're not in our purpose. We're not doing the, what, we're, what we came down here to do. And that we're, we're almost fighting it by either staying in the job or staying in the industry or whatever it is and not looking at what am I really supposed to be doing here. Um, and I, I just, that, that to me worries me a whole lot. I think that's why I'm, I'm pushing for movements and moving people into what is it that you came down here to do? What change were you meant to make in this world, in this lifetime? And let's make it happen. Um, but Adam, you were talking about your book, and that is Pivot, right? Pivot, the art and science of reinventing your career and life. Uh, and I love it. It was a, a fantastic book. And it did, for me, gave me some real um, eye-opening experiences as well. Now, you have two, two huge areas that you cover. One is around clarity, especially around beliefs. And the second was momentum in your behavior. So how would you fit this into speaking, since that's what, what we're going to talk about today. Well, I'll just say that without clarity, you, you really can't go very far. In my, in my humble experience in life, it's very difficult to go anywhere without the clarity of knowing where you're going. Um, I think it was George Harrison that said in a song, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And, and I think it's really <laughs> so true. It's either George Harrison or Yogi Berra, but I, I think it's George. But in any event, clarity is so key. And I, I love to use the analogy of clearing your windshield because we all, for the most part, if you're an adult, you drive. Um, and driving very much is like life. There's so many parallels and uh, analogies related to driving. But for me, one of the basic Uh, examples of this is if your car, if you're driving down the road and you cannot see clearly out of the windshield, which I've had that experience just living on the East Coast or growing up there and, you know, when there's not enough windshield wiper fluid in the middle of the winter and you've got a snowy day, it's like, you know what it's like. You cannot see. And, And then what ends up happening is you have to slow down. You have to drive slowly in the right lane. Or if it gets bad enough, you actually have to stop and pull over and you're stuck. And I think that's a lot of what is happening for people in the world that they don't know what they want because they can't see. They, they can't create a plan to get where they're going because they can't see far enough ahead. And so creating clarity is really the fundamental starting point in every pivot. 
And in the book, Pivot, uh, we spend the whole first half of the book on how it is that you can create additional clarity, whether it's to let go of some of the baggage you've been holding on to, whether it's to unbelieve some of the things that you've brought up, been brought up to believe, you've been programmed to believe, whether it's to face the fears and the fear stories that you've got, whether it's to be able to I, examine your, your true identity in this mm-hmm. moment because your identity changes over time. It's not the same. It's not like you're born with one identity and then it's the way, you know, your identity at, at eight years old is the same as when you're 18 or when you're 30 or 45. I mean, it changes throughout life. So identifying and establishing what it is and getting clear on what your identity is in this, at this point stage and phase of your life is really the key there. And then being able to make decisions, being able to create a vision to move ahead and make decisions to go forward, which leads into the second half of the book, which as you said, is about momentum. And when it comes to momentum, I I love this, the analogy of dominoes. For me, I think Mm -hmm. in analogies and I'm a visual learner. So I, I, I love to see things and even visually see them. So the, if you can imagine dominoes lined up, the record world record is more than a million dominoes being tipped over. And you can imagine just starting out with one little domino, tiny little domino that's like half an inch high or even just smaller than, slightly smaller than like three-eighths of an inch high. We know that it's it's Newton's law of momentum that a body at rest tends to stay at rest and a body in motion tends to stay in motion. And so knocking the one domino knocking over one domino leads to a whole cascade a momentum of other dominoes being knocked over but that's only half the story it's not even the the biggest half of the story the biggest half which people don't readily uh, speak about and I don't know that they're even aware of is the capacity of one domino to knock over another domino that's slightly bigger than itself in fact one domino can knock over another domino that's one and a half times its size. So if you start out, go back to that same little three-eighths of an inch high domino, it'll knock over another domino that's one and a half times its size, and that domino in turn will knock over another domino that's one and a half times its size. And by the tw- the time you get to the 28th domino, this is the shocking part, by the time we get to the 28th domino, we're talking about a domino that is literally the size of the Empire State Building. The Empire State Building. Can you imagine that, Linda? I can imagine that, but I can't imagine knocking it over. Well, you see, here's the thing. It's the it's the tiniest domino that starts the whole procession. Yeah. And that and that really is the big the big thing. So it's that one domino that's three eighths of an inch high that knocks over another one. And that's the part that most people don't get is that it's just the baby step. It's just mm-hmm. the tiniest of actions that not only leads to another action that's equal in size but one that's bigger. And so, for example, we get people who want to pivot because they, they want to become uh, authors. They want to be creating some platform to get their message out. Sometimes we call that, me- that platform a thought leadership me- uh, platform. So they want to write a book. They want to speak. They want to get paid to speak publicly. They want to do a TEDx talk. They want to have a website that, that people are attracted to. They want to sell their coaching services or they want to create a coaching program or they want to create a coach certification program. It's like on and on all these amazing ways that people can both deliver their message and get paid millions of dollars doing it, and yet they're still stuck in their job. They're still doing their day job. They're still doing the same thing over and over again, 
wanting a different result to happen in their life, but not seeing it. And so to me, what's really incredible, and we go through this whole process explaining how it is that you get started, how it is that you take those first baby steps to create momentum in your life. But the key, and this is the part I really want everybody to hear, is that you've got to start to begin with. It's that, it's that seemingly step that is so small and insignificant that people just say, well, it won't make sense for me to just go that far. It, because how am I ever going to become a best-selling author by simply doing this one tiny thing like, I don't know, Googling the name of the book that you'd like to write, meaning going out and finding out, <laughs> can you buy that URL? How many titles have been, you know, how many books have already been published with that title, baby steps, tiny little steps, looking on Google and seeing what services are there available, outsource services for people writing book, books, like an editor, like a developmental editor, like how it is you hire an agent, how it is that you get a book published, what options are there, can you self-publish or, or do you have to go with a traditional publisher? I mean, and the list goes on and on and on. And so many people who say when I speak to them or I'm, I'm speaking in an audience where I ask them that question, how many of you realize that there's, there's a message that you have deep inside that you're not sharing at the depth that you'd like to in there? All their hands go up. And I say, and how many of you realize that there's maybe a book inside of you or there's a talk that you want to give? And, and every hand goes up. And then I'll ask them, and so what have you done in the last 30 days to pursue that, that dream or that goal? And the hands all go down. It's like <laughs> they haven't taken those small steps. So, so as you said earlier, it's, it's really two things fundamentally before you get to the action-taking step. It's getting clear in the first place. So it's the process of examining your beliefs and your, your, your ways of being to create greater clarity about the future ahead. And then it's the behaviors that you take. It's those baby steps before you get to the stage where you'd actually begin doing something new. So hopefully I, I went kind of 360 degrees around that question you asked so that we could just create some depth around the process. Because change is the one thing that is a constant in, in, our, in our world, meaning change is the cosmic law for manifestation. It's how a butterfly becomes a butterfly. It has to go all, through all those, those phases and stages from caterpillar through, through the, you know, the pupa stage and the cocoon stage and all that stuff. I remember when we were teaching, when yeah. we were you know, working on the kids' uh, school projects that we and learned. Adam, yes. I, hate, I hate to interrupt you. But we're going to need to go to a, a commercial break in just a moment. And I wanted our audience to sort of absorb what you've just said about getting really clear in your beliefs and the ways of being and then working on just those little baby steps, having that vision and making sure that that's very, very, very clear. And then looking at what are those steps that I need to take to begin to move it forward? And where are you today? And where do you want to be in 30 days? And we'll be right back. Voice America Women's Channel, a leader in the forward movement of women's success. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, 
and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at DareToDreamWithLinda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, DreamWithLinda.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Voice America Women's Channel a leader in the forward movement of women's success. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. And I'm having probably one of the, the most interesting interviews that I've done in a long time, and I want to thank our guests so much for that. But let's look at, he's a recognized expert in the integration of business and personal development. He speaks and mentors around the globe in business, entrepreneurship, leadership, transformation. I mean, this man is just over-the-top amazing. And I want to welcome back Adam Markell. Adam, welcome back. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's you're a pleasure. So, you're so very welcome. Um, Adam, could you just do a real quick sum, sum up of how we ended the first segment of the call? Beautiful. Yes. So pivoting requires that you're able to establish and create more clarity to begin with Mm -hmm. so that you can then take some baby steps. And I think what people tend to do is they want to get to a plan. So they they start out with a plan. They want to create a plan, and a plan will give them that feeling of more security and safety. And and it's actually the the wrong place to begin. The foundational beginning point for, for any innovative change in your life, any pivot, in other words, is to create clarity first, to examine uh, more of your, your current situation, including your current mindset, so that you can then look at what are those baby steps to make a change. So it's clarity followed by momentum followed by the planning stage. And I think that's the, that's the, the, the one thing that I think most people uh, need to change, and I'll, I'll use that word need for just a moment, that it's a requirement that you change the, the order of events when you want to make a change in your life, whether it's in your relationship or your health or your business and finance, your career, etc. You've got to start by examining things to create clarity before you start to plan. And I think that's so very true, Adam. It sort of follows the sort of the basic model of human behavior, which is you have to have thoughts and your thoughts have to be in the direction that you're 
wanting to move, which engender feelings, which then get you to action, which gets you to result. And so it's that inner work that you need to do around clarity before you can get to the outer work on momentum and plan and that kind of thing. And I love the fact, too, that you reiterated that vision is what you have to do a vision first. You have to know where you're going. Um, you know, I always talk about road trips. And if you don't know where you're going, as you said, any road will, will take you there. Uh, and I, I find this so fascinating that when I ask groups of people, so what's your vision for this year and how are you doing on it? And I get either one or two hands in a group of maybe 110 people. It's like, this makes no sense. How can you not have a vision for the year? How do you know where you're going? And, and how do you know if you actually got there? Um, which could also explain in some respects the dissatisfaction with um, sort of the day-to-day drudgery that people seem to be going through in their jobs as opposed to being inspired and and enthusiastic and excited about what they're doing and the fact that 55% are actively looking for jobs. I mean, to me, that's sad. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask you was... And solvable. And solvable. And solvable. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Are, are you seeing people pivot in a particular direction or another? I mean, is there one way that they're going versus another? It's so interesting. As, as I was traveling around the world speaking on this topic and, and teaching the things that I had learned, I found that not only were – I was not alone. So the first, the first aha for me was that there were so many other people who were, were reinventing some area of their personal or their business life. And, and so if I was in front of all of your audience right now, this is sort of virtual, so I'm going to ask everybody listening to answer this question for yourself. Are you currently reinventing something in your personal life or in your business life, your career? And every time that I've asked that question to thousands and thousands of people at the same time even, it's shocking to me that almost every single hand goes up. So that was my first awareness that we're all reinventing something and the second thing was what are people pivoting into what are they reinventing uh, themselves to do and that was also a shock it was a shock to my system to realize that I was was very much doing something similar to what other people wanted to be doing so they wanted to be writing a book or being known for having written a book. They wanted to create some platform to get their message out in a in a in a bigger way in the world. They wanted to speak. So they wanted to they wanted to be best selling authors. They wanted to be speaking. They wanted to be paid <laughs> well. <laughs> To speak, to speak locally and to speak internationally. They wanted to be able to travel and see the world and, and have those kind of experiences. And that was surprising to me that people wanted to pivot into that space. So this was going on for many years. It took us a while to sort of connect the dots and, and really come to the realization that people wanted to pivot into, say, public speaking. Why wouldn't we assist in that area. So it became a creative opportunity that we recognized in our own pivot. So here I am, I'm writing, I'm traveling, I'm speaking, I'm teaching on the topic of personal and business reinvention. And then I realized that the act of doing that, of of training people, of coaching people, of speaking to people is itself the business that so many other people wanted to get into. So then we started to pivot our own business to teach those things. So so now, for example, we deliver a speaker training program. It's very intimate. It's We used to do it for hundreds and hundreds of people at, at one time. 
And the only problem for me with that was that I just couldn't spend individualized time with people. And so now we've, we're have we doing it more for a dozen people at a time. And, and thankfully, financially, we, we don't have to worry about you know, having the business be so giant to pay lots of overhead and bills, we're, we're, we've got that piece of it under control. So we do these trainings now intimately for 12 people at a time. We do them five, six times a year. So as, as you might imagine, it's, uh, they're, they're, there's, there's never really very much room uh, in those courses that kind of get sold out a couple of months ahead of time. But what's really great is it's mostly word of mouth or when I, I'm speaking like now on a, on a, on a, radio show or something people find out about. It's called The Heart of Enrollment. Uh, and, you know, if anybody is interested who's listening to this, you can certainly go to speaktoenroll.com. Speaktoenroll.com is where you get more information about it. But in any event, we train people to to be able to speak more authentically, more powerfully, and more effectively, uh, whether it's in front of 10 people, 10,000 people, or it's even one-on-one in their sales conversations. So how it is that you you create a vision for others. How is and you said this earlier, how is it that you enroll others in the vision that you have either with your product, your service, or in some other area of your life is really a wonderful offshoot to the fact that we started to speak around the world and realize that other people wanted to pivot into that space as well. I think that's amazing considering that public speaking is the number one fear that people have over death. That they'd be, they'd be looking at pivoting into something that they were that afraid of, um, and and the stage fright that people often have getting up on stage in the first place. But I I really appreciated the fact that you have to have that vision, and that you're speaking is in a lot of respects enrolling others in that vision, but also knowing what their vision is so that the alignment. Um, is also achieved when you're working with a group of people or a team or something along those lines. I think that's equally as important. So speaking from the heart, more from the head, is, is really important. So tell us, what's the difference between speaking from your expertise and knowledge as a leader to speaking from the heart and your experience? And how does that impact the way a team perceives leadership? Mm. Well, that, mm, two big two big questions for you. I was going to say, we'll unpack that a little bit at a time. Well, first of yeah. all, speaking to enroll is a leadership skill. If you asked me, and maybe I'm biased here, but I think Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine have said this very similar thing, that in this day and age, pub, your ability to speak and to enroll other people, to effectively communicate, in other words, your, mm-hmm. your message, is the number one skill in business. It is the number one skill in being a leader. There's no question about it. Um, it. It is the number one skill to me going forward, according to, 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 the, to the TED group. So we've all seen TED Talks, and, and um, there's just no two ways about the fact that going forward, the thing that I would want to train kids to do from, from grade school, from kindergarten on up, is the ability to stand in front of their peers, to stand in front of other human beings and connect And so to me, when we train this work and I am coaching people individually 
on their speaking, whether it's to speak, to do a TED Talk, whether it's to, to just deliver a presentation with slides at work, or it's to stand on some stage and speak to a few hundred people or a few thousand people at a conference, whatever it is, the number one goal is to teach them how it is that they connect or, or what we call closing the gap. So how it is that you close the gap between yourself as a human being and other people as, as your brothers and sisters, your fellow human beings, whether it's online, whether it's on the radio, whether it's live in, in front of people face to face, whether it's at the office, one on one or one on 10, it doesn't matter. How is it that you close the gap? How is it that you create that, that human connection effectively? And that's how we define speaking from the heart. When we are speaking from the heart, what we recognize is that everything in the gap is, is really it, it's it's the the false belief that we are separate. Now I won't I'm not going to get into sort of that aspect of things at the moment. I'll just say that to me, at least my belief system is that we really that we are connected. That we are all sort of different cells, unique cells, individual cells of one body. Now you could call that a lot of things, and and I won't again. I don't have to sort of dive into that aspect of it now. But but to me. When we recognize on some level that we are connected to something greater than ourselves, then the goal in all of our communication is to close the gap. It's to reach a point of, of, of common connection, of, of authentic connection with another person. And that is a skill that for many, many people has to be trained, has to be retrained because we've been taught that to connect at that level creates vulnerability and we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to be, uh, <laughs> we want to be safe. But I know you wanted to say something about that. Yeah. Now, I, I, I love what you're saying and I think you're absolutely correct. But I think it's also uh, can be a challenge for folks. You, you, know, you talked about vulnerability and how, how difficult that can be. Um, to feel safe in that. I know, I, okay, I'll, I'll go back in my history. I was told when I was seven that I should never stand up in front of groups of people and talk. Mm. So overcoming that belief took quite a few years and a lot of examples where it wasn't true, but I couldn't get rid of it. Um, and it really wasn't until, you know, that was my life was I was training, I was speaking in front of groups, as you said, you know, from five to 500 didn't quite get to the thousand, but to 500 and recognizing that I had something that they wanted and that they were ha- almost hanging on every word that you said. But I, I but it, it, it is a challenge for folks. Um, it's, it's also a challenge to move from reading your speech to actually giving your speech. And I, I, I happen to uh, watch a, um, a recording of the most recent royal wedding. And one of the people who really impressed me, and if you haven't had a chance to see him speak, I would encourage it. And it was the most re- uh, most reverend Michael Bruce Curry, who currently is the 27th president, presiding bishop and primate of the Episcopal Church. And he did the sermon for the wedding. And he was so powerful around love and you know, coming together as community and, and all of this, that it moved me, moved me like Martin Luther King's dream speech moved me so many years ago and, and really still moves me. And so I think that heart space 
is really where you can move people. You can preach your message. You can preach your purpose and really, in, as you said, enroll people into what your change in this world is. What is that piece that you want to see different from what it is today from, you know, as little as you know, putting hot lunch programs back in schools or getting more people to vote to bigger things like world hunger, clean water, um, you know, what we're doing with uh, immigrants right now um, and really getting involved in those, uh, I think, is something that when you step into this heart space in speaking, you can actually make happen, right? There's no question. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. So I, I, I realize we're, um, we're, we're both saying something that maybe people listening to this are thinking, yeah, that, that's great because you guys are both public speakers or you, <laughs> you have radio shows. <laughs> Wasn't always that and, way. <laughs> yeah, but that's the, yeah. that's the point. Yeah. You can learn how to, to create heart space in your speaking. You can learn how to enroll people effectively and from a place that's authentic. And that involves your head. So you asked earlier, what's the difference between speaking from the head and speaking from the heart? It's really both. It's not an either or. We don't train. When we train people, we're not training them to not use their brains or their Mm -hmm. intellect. Because we get a lot of engineers, we get lawyers, we get doctors, all kinds of people that just simply want to be able to connect at a deeper level. Because when you can connect, as you said, and create heart space, your opportunity to enroll, to sell, to to have people say yes to your message is really is really what is impacted by your ability to do that. So, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., when he had his speech, he didn't say, it wasn't called the I have a plan speech. It was no. the I have a dream speech. And and that level of connection was at the at the was was on was at the depth of dreaming, not at the dr- the depth of creating a plan, and that's how he was part of how it was that he was able to connect to so many people. It was not through his intellect or creating an intellectual plan for how we create equality, but was really at the depth of our souls, and that's where he he met us, and that's where people were moved. Adam, that's so such a perfect wrap up uh, because it is so true, and he almost didn't give that speech, which I think I've said before. Um, and I, because his advisors wanted him to give the plan, exactly. and he wanted he wanted to do the dream, and it took a woman to the hell you Jackson, yes, to get him to uh, actually give the speech that he was meant to give. So, audience, um, as we break this time, I want you to think about those powerful speeches, presentations that either you've given or that you've heard and have really moved you. And what was it about that? What was the element within it that helped you to move into that space? And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you left your corporate or military career to start your own business? Are you frustrated that you're not seeing the success you expected as an entrepreneur? Let leadership expert Linda Patton show you the key skills and mindset you need to engage your team, build your influence, and create the thriving business of your dreams. Linda Patton understands the challenges and frustrations facing a new business owner. Drawing from her own 40 years of experience in the military, corporate, government, and entrepreneurial arenas, 
That's why it's become Linda's life work to help women like you truly become the world-changing, extraordinary leaders you are meant to be. Are you ready to step in, step up, and step out into leadership to create an exceptional business and life? Start by scheduling a free 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at Dare to Lead with Linda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, leadwithlinda.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Women. Your passion starts here. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back. And I'm here with just an absolutely elegant uh, guest and I've, I've had such a good time with him on the show and we brought up some really, really key things that entrepreneurs and just people need to know about pivoting and changing their lives. But let me tell you a little bit more about him. He's the CEO of More Love Media, which is a company that's dedicated to empowering individuals and businesses to reimagine, refocus, and capitalize on change in order to thrive in this world where constant disruption is the new normal. And so I'd like to welcome back my guest, Adam Markell. Adam, welcome back. It's a pleasure to be here. And Adam, I this whole piece about you with the more love media and the constant disruption and change in life. I mean, there is nothing more constant in a leader's life than change. And so how do we get the most out of all of this change that's going on around us? And the changes that we want to make as well. Yeah, that's such a great question. The The fact is, as you said, change is not going anywhere. In fact, it's exponentially greater every day, it seems. So change is the cosmic law that we must not just deal with or endure 
we have to actually embrace it. And so we have three, the three E system, I'll call it, that <laughs> where, where we basically say from experience that we have to embrace change, meaning you have to open yourself up and make change your, your friend, as, as I think has been said um, by Ram Dass, make, make mm-hmm. friends with change. I, I like to think of it as today anyway, make, make change your best friend. So that's the embrace piece. Embodying piece is about how it is that you, you incorporate change into your way of doing business. So you look at the recent events with, with a company like Starbucks or a company like Facebook. I mean, they really have gotten a bit of a black eye from s- certain events and certain things that have happened. And yet they've gone and embodied the change. They've embodied it by making, making their companies or having their companies respond to the change in a way that isn't res- in resistance. It's, it's actually embracing it and it's and it's modeling it back in the world so you know starbucks closed down their stores for an afternoon it cost them probably tens of millions of dollars to do that and they did it so that they could train retrain their staff about diversity about about unconscious bias unconscious racism Uh, obviously facebook has made massive changes to the way that they are they're handling information, sensitive information, demographic and psychographic information of their clients. This, these two really large and, and profitable companies with, with really positive cultures, working cultures, and positive leadership structures are modeling for their, for their clients, they're modeling for their workforce, they're modeling for the world what it looks like to both embrace and embody change. And the third E is to execute. Meaning, how is it that you take inspired action based on the fact that it's, it's not about enduring? The, you know, enduring change isn't the idea here. This is not about weathering the storm of change. This is about recognizing that in every situation involving change, there is a creative opportunity and we must execute on it. And if we do that, then we are truly living and creating an, a culture of innovation, whether it's a, a personal uh, innovation means a culture of personal innovation or it's a culture of business innovation, of innovation within your company, for example. Well, I think, too, um, Adam, that if we don't change, we become stagnant. And uh, I had a guest who was talking about the Fortune 500 back um, in the 1900s and that when you look at them today, there may be 60 out of that 500 who are, who still exist. And much of that has to do with the ability to embrace, embody, and execute change. That if you become rigid in your model, then y- you'll die, right? Oh, my goodness. Well, in 1955, the Fortune 500, which was 500 companies, right? Right. The, the average lifespan of that company was 60 years at the time. Today, Fortune 500, the 500 most successful companies in the world are, are living 18 years. Not 60 years, but 18 years. Yeah. And, and of that original 500 companies back in the day in 1955, 88% of those companies are gone, extinct, Twelve, only 12% are here today. So I couldn't agree with you more that playing on defense and playing for the status quo or playing it safe, in other words, playing to try to make the fewest mistakes even are ways to ensure your fate, to ensure that you will become a dinosaur. And that is, that is if there's anything that is scary, that is it versus being, being the kind of person who's proactively looking at stirring things up that you're not willing to settle for the status quo. 
Yeah, I, I think that's so true. So in, a, in other words, what you're saying, Adam, is that we have to convert those individuals who are in, who in companies are managers into leaders that because managers really do revolve around I'm told what I you know, I'm told from above what to do and I manage the status quo. I don't look for change. I don't want change. And in fact, change would probably drive me up a wall. Whereas if the company is going to succeed and grow and um, be resilient in in change, they need to embrace it and see how uh, how they can take that change and almost manipulate it to their company values and their vision and that kind of thing, right? That's beautifully said. It it reminds me of a Harvard Business Review article called The Making of a Corporate Athlete. Harvard Business Review uh, Making of a Corporate Athlete article is all about how it is that we create rituals for recovery. So believe it or not, we all know that with this constant never-ending environment of change, of disruption, which is the word that's more used today than Mm -hmm. anything else, that we have to be able to bounce back. We've got to be able to recover from setbacks, whether they're marketing setbacks, whether it's the setback of of people leaving a job, you know, leaving the workforce because the turnover uh, is is a great issue in many companies or it's toxicity in the the culture or whatever the case might be. Um, Changes at the management level where you realize that you're being told to do new things and you don't have control over the destiny uh, of or, or the direction of the ship, et cetera, but you've got to work within that system. We've got to be able to recover quickly. And what they did was they studied top-performing athletes, the best in the world, and they, and they compared those athletes, those top-performing Olympic athletes and professional athletes to executives and entrepreneurs. And they found the most interesting thing. They found that the best athletes were the ones that could recover – the quickest, meaning that in the, in between games in a tennis match, their heart rates would go down. Even in between points, they could see that the top athletes could get their heart rates almost down to resting. On mm-hmm. on the on the golf course, in between shots, someone like Jack Nicholas, when they measured his biorhythms and his heart rate, he was able to get to a heart resting heart rate. He was able to get to a place where he was peaceful and calm in between his shots. Whereas his competitors, the ones that were finishing second or third or weren't in the money at all, were people whose stress levels were much higher and that their bodies were showing the signs of that stress. And it's the same thing in the executive space, whether you're a manager, whether you're an employee, whether you're somebody who's running a company. It's almost like there are no boundaries today. And mm-hmm. we're working on our businesses, especially entrepreneurs, sometimes seven days a week. And so the ability to recover quickly is even more of, of an important thing to create as a, as a, a part of your toolkit uh, to be able to not only survive in the business world today, but to thrive, to be able to be resilient, in other words, requires us to bounce back more quickly. And the way that we do that is through rituals, through master habits that we create that I call rituals, don't mean anything religious about it, just things that we do consciously and that we do with a specific intention versus habits, which we do for the most part unconsciously. So I'm happy to share what some of those rituals look like. And even before we leave today, I can share the one most important ritual that I've created in the last 10 years that has really helped me to be much more resilient and much more successful. 
Adam, you walked right into it. Thank you so very much. So the question was, what are the powerful rituals or practices that you recommend to embody leadership, to embody that resilience of change? And then I know you have a free gift that you tie along with it. Well, I'll say this. So rituals are are the things that we do consciously to take care of ourselves. Rituals for recovery are really the, the self-care piece of the equation. And so to me, we've got to adopt and create new rituals for us to be stronger, to be stronger mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And that's what this, this HBR article was all about, recovery rituals, resilience rituals. So I want to share with your, your group the one ritual that I, I use every day. So, and, and this one has changed my life, and, and it is three parts. And the first part is that I wake up. Now, I know that sounds funny, and some of you are probably like chuckling a little bit, but <laughs> it was a blessing. That, that I got to wake up today. And, and obviously, Linda, you got to wake up. And everybody who's listening to this right now, regardless of whether your life is going the way you want, you know, it's going swimmingly or, or maybe there's some challenges and whatever it looks like, you got to wake up today. And that was a profound gift. And it was a gift that was not guaranteed. And it's the same for tomorrow. So I want to I wanna teach this one ritual and hopefully everybody's willing to do it starting tomorrow because... It takes about 21 days to create a new habit. It takes exactly. about six months to create a new ritual, um, something that we're, we're addicted to, in other words. So the mm-hmm. first part is that we wake up. So I hope everybody will agree that they will wake up tomorrow. So wherever you are right now, I want you to put your hand on your heart. And I want you to say that. I want you to say, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. That's step one. And I mean that physically as well as from the standpoint of raising your consciousness and just being that much more aware tomorrow or a little bit more aware tomorrow than you are today. So step one, you wake up. Step two, you realize that that is a gift, that that's a blessing and that it's something to be grateful for. So you you cultivate some feelings of gratitude right in the bed as you realize that you're taking that first deep breath of the day, that first waking breath that you realize there are people actually taking their last breath in that moment. And so it is very, it's special, it's holy, it's sacred even. So step one is wake up. Step two is gratitude. And step three, if you're willing to do it from the the bed position or when your feet touch the floor, that you declare out loud these words, I love my life. I love my life. I love my life. And I do have a, a special gift to go along with that new morning ritual. And it is the the Start My Pivot gift. So you can go to startmypivot.com. That's startmypivot.com. And you can get a free kickstart guide. And I say free. There's nothing that we're offering. There's no sale involved. It's just something to support you in your pivot, whether it's a pivot that you're aware of right now or it's a pivot that's sort of in the works that you're a bit unconscious about, but it's off in the future somewhere. This kickstart guide will help you to get clear about that because it's where we began, Linda, is that you've got to create that level of clarity before you can change anything for the better to earn more money, to have better relationships or better health or anything you're looking for. It starts with clarity. So startmypivot.com will give them a downloadable kickstart guide with six powerful questions as well as a guide to some of the rituals that I've been using for many, many years and many of our, our students, many of the people that we train about, you know, whether it's to be public speakers or to create that book or to create that message in their lives. All of that's contained at the startmypivot.com site. They can get the downloadable guide. And I think it'll support them greatly in everything that they're creating going forward. Thank you so much, Adam. This has been absolutely fantastic. And I want to thank you for being with us today and for all of these wonderful tips and tricks that you've given us, as well as the insight into pivoting 
and ritual. And audience, I'd like you to um, dig deeper into this. Again, we have Adam's book, um, Pivot, The Art and Science of Reinventing uh, Your Career and Your Life. If you get a chance to pick up a copy. And then for, for me, if you have additional questions about boot camp, leadership inspirations, or the art of herding cats, leading teams of leaders, please do connect with me at Linda at Dare, the number two lead with lynda.com and until next time remember to be courageous and dare to lead bye bye thank you for tuning in to leadership stars please join linda Patton for another engaging edition of our program next monday at 1 p.m eastern time and 10 a.m pacific time on the voice america women's channel we'll feature another noted leader next week 